Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Got two topics to get to today. I'm going to be shooting from the hip a little on the first one, and we're going to be opening our Bibles, which is always good. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to examine something that was written by David French, and Joe Carter retweeted it. It's uh, kind of a never-Trumper article, and, you know, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I've said this, but um, I know a lot of people who did, and David French seems to insinuate that the reason that Trump supporters that are evangelical voted for him is because they just want to hire someone else to do their dirty work. You know, they can't hate because they're Christians, but they'll hire someone to hate. And I got so many bones to pick with this article. I'm not going to get to all of them, but um, I just want you to be prepared. I'm making it for you, uh, honestly. Those who uh, supported Trump and and or will support Trump this time around, and um, in this in the sense of voting for him, um, I, I just am well aware of the fact that people like David French can come to you from a posturing of a, a moral high ground and say you know, this is why you're doing what you're doing. And, and I just don't think it's right. Uh, and I'm going to show you some things. And, and the other thing that's concerning me about um, th- this article is that it seems to be on such a theologically weak level. It, it's just, it's surprising to me. Joe Carter uh, retweets it, loves it. And this is a guy who is a pastor at David Platt's church. And yet it seems to be on just such a theologically weak foundation. And so I want to point that out to you give you some ammunition in case uh, someone starts shooting at you because you're going to vote for Trump or uh, something like that. Um, you know, my motive in not voting for Trump, my main motive, I mean, I saw some of the concerns that I think a David French and a Joe Carter have. They, they think I think it's a, a branding issue. You know, look how he's making us evangelicals look. We're, we're looking bad to the elites in the media and in Hollywood, etc. And that's not who we are. And, uh, you know, I saw that issue. But more important to me was the fact that Trump did not seem to be a true conservative before he started running for the presidency. And that was my concern. Now, I think I was wrong. I think um, in some ways he actually isn't conservative, but um, he has been way more conservative than I ever thought he would be. And uh, I think that it's time to admit that. It's time for people like David French to admit that. But the, the problem is I don't think that was David French's motivation for not supporting Trump. Uh, it, it was a branding issue, and it wasn't that Trump wasn't going to be a conservative, which was, I think, my issue. And so uh, we may have both not voted for Trump. I was a Cruz guy, um, but for different motivations, uh, a little bit, maybe more than a little bit. And um, and I'm, I, I probably will. I shouldn't say probably. I, I'm planning on voting for Trump this time around. I'm going to do some more videos on it of why I've changed my mind on this. Um, and, and really, it's not just me changing my mind. It's Trump changing. I'm seeing a transformation in him. And, and that's what you want, right? You, you know, it's often portrayed that evangelicals are selling their soul. And if you didn't vote for Trump in 2016 based on moral principles or conservative principles, and now you are, well, you, you've changed. Well, I don't know that that's true. I don't see it that way. I see that Trump's changed and he's proving himself. And that's the, that's the kind of change you want. Uh, David French doesn't seem to celebrate that kind of thing. So, so we're going to talk about that article. It was posted, I think, on Twitter on Sunday morning at 1030. So I didn't see it when it was first posted. I don't know why... <laughs> A Christian article is being posted when most people are on their way to church. Uh, but um, maybe he wrote it the day before and it was posted on the website then. I don't know. But either way, um, I'm looking forward to, to going over some of that. And we're going to be opening our Bibles. And that's always a good thing. Uh, the, the second thing, the second topic is I'm going to be doing, um, I already did actually, an interview with A.D. Robles. You need to check out his channel. A.D. is a brave guy. He does good content. 
he's one of the few people that will publicly go out there and, and defend me uh, when the Twitter mob is after me. And I appreciate that about AD. You know, I, I don't ask for that, but AD is, um, I'm proud to call him a friend. He's a true friend. That's what friends do. And, um, you know, if he's in a, a tight spot, I'll, I'll back him up any day. He's, uh, he's right on. I think uh, there's not one thing I found yet where I disagree with him on anything. Uh, I'm sure that we're going to find something eventually. Um, I know, I know. He, I think he's more Presbyterian, if I'm not mistaken. So, so I'm more Baptist. So, you know, there's, there's that. But uh, on public theology, AD and I just seem to line up, and uh, I just really appreciate him. So, go to his channel. I'm going to put the link in the info section, and you can check it out and subscribe uh, there. And I'm looking forward to the interview. By the way, the interview was supposed to be a Patreon-only interview. And if I'm just going to plug this real quick. If you are a Patreon supporter, you know the, the perks to that. You get my weekly messages um, updating you on what's going on. You get to have a say in what uh, I do on the podcast. You, can, you have access. You can send me suggestions. You can comment on things on Patreon. Um, I'm, I'm very likely to listen to suggestions from the audience uh, that finances what I'm doing. And so... Uh, that's a perk you have. Um, this month, you uh, have the option of getting Mark David Hall's book, uh, Did America Have a Christian Founding? Uh, so th those are all the perks to being a, a patron. But uh, I was going to make this video, an exclusive Patreon video, and put it behind a paywall, the interview with AD, that is. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm, you know, Everyone's going to benefit from this. Uh, and, and those on Patreon... Um, you're going to see it either way. So I just decided to, to put it out there. And so you're going to enjoy that. AD's fun. And he'll he'll bring the positive uh, vibes uh, in, in <laughs> after after you get upset at David French and Joe Carter. So um, so look forward to that. Now, uh, let, let's get into uh, the Joe Carter stuff and the David French stuff. And I'm going to lay a theological foundation before we do. This is what I think is missing. Uh, there's a one-dimensional view of God out there that says God is love. And yeah, 1 John uh, chapter 4, I believe it is, says, yeah, God is love. And John 3.16, God loved the world. We believe that. Now, um, is there a sense in which, though, God is also uh, someone who hates? And, and I would say that the, the two actually go together. Uh, it's not just that God is love and love, 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 and that's it. And in fact, in order to love um, there has to be some kind of hatred. And I'm going to read for you these verses, and I'm going to explain why. Psalm 5.5, 5, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. That's not deeds. That's not God loving the, the, sin, uh, the sinner, hating the sin. That is God actually hating individuals, those who do iniquity. Uh, he doesn't send their sin to hell. He sends them to hell. I mean, this is Orthodox Christianity. If you don't like it, then you know, leave Christianity. But that, this is what Christianity teaches. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Again, people who love violence. Um, abortionists, right? Those who love Roe v. Wade. <laughs> you know, you, you, did you see what Bernie Sanders said recently? Very pro-Roe v. Wade. That's his litmus test. Lord hates that. Um, and, and the Lord hates, I, I'm comfortable saying the Lord hates Bernie. If, you know, Bernie understands what's going on. He's old enough. He's been around. He, the Lord hates Bernie <laughs> for that. And if, if you have a hard time saying that, then I think what you need to do is think through um, and, and really do a study, actually, a character study on, on who God is and his nature. I'm comfortable saying the Lord loves Bernie on a certain level because um, the Lord do, has not sent him to judgment. He's still alive. He's actually doing very well. He's a number of houses. He's, I think he's a millionaire. I mean, he's, or if he's not, he's, he's very wealthy. I think he is a millionaire. Uh, he, the Lord has um, allowed him to prosper in the United States. And, uh, and so there's a certain sense in which the Lord loves Bernie. He's allowed him to um, 
you know, have access to uh, gospel teaching and preaching in a country where uh, the gospel is is still you can you can find it fairly easily. And um, and I would say that there's a certain sense in which you can say there's a love there, but it's not the special particular grace that believers have, unless Bernie gets saved, which which may happen, and we should pray for that. But there's there's a hatred too. There is there's a hatred for those who hate God and hate His law, and and we can't get away from that. Both of those things are true. Uh, Proverbs fifteen nine: The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but He loves one who pursues righteousness. Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure. So not only does he love, um, does he hate the wicked, but he hates uh, what they do. He hates their um, their words, even. Um, so their plans, their words, their deeds. Uh, Revelation 2.6, this is interesting. Yet this um, you do have, and this is um, John uh, writes Revelation, and this is... Um, uh, this is talking to the church at Ephesus. Uh, so... Um, the, the church at Ephesus is, is presented positively here as having something that is valuable. And what is that? It says, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans that I also hate. So God is saying to, um, to the church at Ephesus, he's saying, this is something that you have that's really good. You actually hate this thing, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, when, when did you last hear of Christians being praised for their hatred? But there actually is a sense in which Christians should be praised for a certain kind of hatred, hating sin, hating the deeds, in this case, of the Nicolaitans. And then uh, now, Proverbs 6, this is great. Proverbs 6, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what political parties does it sound like? There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Okay, what are those? Haughty eyes. So an elitist attitude, looking down your nose at someone, thinking that you're better, pride, right? Haughty eyes, displaying it publicly. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. I can think of several cable news networks that uh, regularly engage in that, right? And and it's not just on the left, but we know that it's definitely on the left. And it seems like there there's more of it. It's more prevalent. Um, hands that shed innocent blood. Is there a political party that believes in I don't know abortion? Yeah, there is. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. So so it's it's not just you know loving evil behind closed doors and. Uh, it, it's actually a, a pursuit of evil, a public pursuit of evil. You're just running towards it. You can't help yourself. You're addicted to it. And false witness who utters lies. I'm thinking of you know the recent uh, the Trump hearings, the uh, Kavanaugh hearings, false witnesses, right? And one who spreads strife among the brothers. I don't know, maybe ripping up the State of the Union speech after the president was trying to give a uniting uh, speech, talking about the things that hopefully Americans on both sides should be able to, to come around and then and ripping that up. Um, you know, that's, uh, I, I just can't help but seeing the Democrats jump out at me when I'm looking at this. Now, it's not about the Democrats specifically, um, but these are things that the Lord finds to be an abomination, right? And there's people on the Republican side, people on the Democrat side that both would be characterized by some of these things. But we, we, I think any honest person looking at the political parties knows this really characterizes uh, the Democrats, like almost as a descriptor of them. You could read this list. Now, I'll, you'll see why that's important in a minute, but back to the idea that God um, loves and hates at the same time. There, there is a sense in which God loves everyone, right? Loves the world, sent his son. Um, uh, God, you know, the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. Uh, that's not particular grace, but there is, there is you know, a sense of love there. 
uh, that we're not in judgment. Uh, you know, those who are, who are not saved, who have not repented, put their trust in Jesus, they, they're not getting what they deserve. They're not in judgment. So yeah, there's a mercy and, and God has that. But yet God also hates and there will be a day of judgment and his wrath will, will come down on those who have sinned and broken his law. And, and this is why the gospel is so important. This is why, this is why you need to, to come to Jesus. He is your only hope. If you don't have Christ on the day of judgment and, he, and you stand before him and he judges you based on his law you know, and, and you've lied and you've stolen and you've um, committed adultery in your heart and, and you know, go down the list, you're going to be in trouble on that day. And you need the, not your own righteousness because you don't have any, but the righteousness of someone else. And that's where the gospel comes in. That's what Jesus uh, can give you if you're, you repent and put your trust in him. And if you have questions about that, uh, message me. You know, um, I, I'm not hard to find. I'm on all the social media platforms. Message me and I'll be glad to, to tell you more. Um, but God is a good judge and good judges will punish evil. And they don't send the evil to jail or prison, right? Uh, even in an earthly court, they send the person there because they're the ones culpable for it. Now, here's the question. You, you hear, you know, okay, and I've heard this before. You know, I, uh, yeah, God hates, but you're not God. And there's certain incommunicable attributes, they're called. Things that God can do that you can't. And you're not supposed to hate. Well, is that true? Should Christians hate? Uh, Psalm 139, 21. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Psalm 26, 5. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Proverbs 29, 27. An unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is abominable to the wicked. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Psalm 139, 22. Perfect hatred. Is there a perfect hatred? Yeah, there is. There's a kind of hatred. There's a righteous indignation, which we're supposed to have. Be angry and do not sin. But there is a righteous way to be angry about certain things. And there's a righteous hatred. Um, now check this one out. Second Chronicles 9.2. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? What's going on here? Jehu, right? He comes to, in a prophetic way, to King Jehoshaphat. And he's saying that because of King Jehoshaphat's love, he's in trouble. <laughs> and he's loving those who hate the Lord. When was the last time you heard of a Christian getting in trouble for loving something? And it's phrased that way. You know, you love this evil thing or the, these evil people. You, you're loving, you love Democrats, right? De and I'm not just saying Democrats because of habit. You know, I'm saying like convictional Democrats who know that abortion um, and the profaning of marriage are wrong things, but they are, those are their convictions and they're full speed ahead, feet running rapidly to evil. And, and you know what? You don't hate that. You don't hate someone like a Hillary Clinton? Man, you know, you're, you're, you're in trouble with the Lord. <laughs> that, that seems even harsh coming from my mouth. But yet, we, we, this is the reality we see in Scripture. So you, you got to make sense of it. And, you know, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just bringing you what the, what the Bible says. And I'm trying to give you um, some application here or some, some scenarios in the modern context you can apply it to. But, you know, come up with your own scenarios. Make sense of these passages. And there's many more I could have brought you. Now that we've, we've talked about this, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to talk about this article. And um, I'm going to show you why I wanted to go through that first. First is Arthur Brooks' uh, prayer breakfast speech, which the Joe Carter article is modeled after. And Arthur Brooks is a Roman Catholic. He says so in the speech. And here's, here's what he says. I'm going to read you a few excerpts from this. Uh, it's America's Crisis of Contempt at the National Prayer Breakfast. And he speaks before Donald Trump uh, gets up to speak. And he says, my friends, you've heard a lot today that you've agreed with. And well, you should. You've also heard a lot about the other side, political liberals and how they are wrong. 
But I want to ask you to remember something. Political liberals are not stupid and they're not evil. They are simply Americans who disagree with you about public policy. And if you want to persuade them, which should be your goal, remember that uh, no one has ever been insulted into agreement. You can only persuade with love. Now, here's the thing. There's some truth to this, but there's also some, some like bad assumptions behind it. And, um, and I want to show you what those bad assumptions are, uh, if I can. Um, we're, let's, let's take this to an extreme uh, kind of situation, scenario. Uh, imagine uh, we overuse the Nazi <laughs> one. So let's go to Soviets, usually the second one used, but we'll use that one. You're in uh, Stalin's Soviet Union and uh, some, someone tells you that, um, you know, the, the, the Soviets, the communists, the godless atheistic communists, uh, they're just people who disagree with you about public policy. That's all they are. They're not stupid and they're not evil. Now, how would you react to that? What would you say? Well, okay, their policies are stupid, I guess. They don't work. Soviet Union's gonna collapse. Communism doesn't take into account human nature. Doesn't take into account uh, how the creator designed this place to, for public stewardship or for uh, private stewardship. Uh, so private property, et cetera. Um, there, there's just some stupidity. It came in somewhere and I, a human brought it in. It, you know, it's not just a vacuum. It's not just stupidity is out there floating somewhere and humans grab it. I mean, humans come up with stupid ideas. So communism is a stupid idea in some ways. It's also an evil idea. Uh, would, can there be good you know, motives behind people that want to be socialists? Yes, there can. And you need, I, I totally believe that you need to assume that some people are just ignorant and deceived, but you don't, you kind of have like two options. Either the person's ignorant, i.e. stupid in some way, uh, you know, they, just they, they don't have the knowledge and they haven't thought through it and they're not maybe bright enough to think through it sometimes um, or if they are they just haven't put in the work or if they do know what they're talking about they're evil right now bring this to the democrat party platform uh, if you can vote for the democratic party i i don't and, and you have and, and and you agree with that platform on some level either it's giving you a benefit of the doubt here. You don't know what it truly means. There's an ignorance there. There's a, there's a stupidity, for lack of a better term, or there's an evil. <laughs> if you know what it means and you, yeah, murdering babies is fine, there, there's something evil about you. Now, I don't know how else to put it. Those are the only options. It, it is a dichotomy. It's a real dichotomy. It's not a false dichotomy. There's no third option there, really. Now, um, now, now, these are considered mean words, right? I mean, you're, you learn that when you're eight years old. Don't call someone stupid. And, and I think, you know, that's kind of what Joe, uh, it's not, not Joe Carter, uh, sorry, uh, Arthur Brooks is getting at here. Um, you know, that, don't treat people that way. And I'm going to keep reading here. He says, if you want to persuade them, which should be your goal, remember that no one has ever been ins insulted into agreement. You can only persuade with love. It was not an applause line. And then so he's talking about saying this at a, at a venue. And then he says, after the speech, the speech he gave where he said what I just told you, a woman in the audience came up to me and she was clearly uh, not too happy with my comments. You're wrong, she told me. Liberals are stupid and evil. Now, I mean, there are some liberals who are one or the other, I believe. But, okay, you understand why she might say that. Now, he says, the lady, that lady, after my speech, was trying to hurt me. Wasn't trying to hurt me. But when she said that, liberals are stupid and evil, she was talking about my parents. I may have disagreed with my parents politically, and I can tell you, they were neither stupid nor evil. They were good, Christian people who raised me to follow Jesus. They also taught me to think for myself, which I did and at great inconvenience to them. Political polarization has 
it was personal for me that day and I want to be personal to you too. So let me ask you the, the a question. How many of you love someone with whom you disagree politically? Are you comfortable learn hearing someone on your side, own side, insult that person? Now here, here's where, here's the sneaky part. Um, are those the, does this mean that if you say that someone is stupid or evil, does that mean you're not loving them? That's the assumption he's making. It's like, you, you can either have one or the other. You can't call someone stupid and still love them. But I, th I think you can actually. And in fact, we see this example um, even in the word of God. Uh, actually, many times we see it in the word of God. And I'm going to show you some of that. Here are just a few examples. Uh, Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. 2 Timothy 3, 6-7. For among them are those who creep into households and captivate. Or, uh, capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Now, does God love these people? Well, not, you know, maybe not in a, in Second Timothy, I'm pretty secure saying, I don't think in a particular grace kind of way that he's saving them, but does, are, are they in judgment at the time this is written? Not all of them, no. There's, there's some mercy being uh, displayed to them. So does God loving them? I guess in a certain way, yeah. Um, but he calls them stupid. How about this one? Check this out. Jeremiah 4, uh, 22 through 24. For my people are foolish. Who are, who are those again? My people. Children of Israel. <laughs> They're foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil. Uh, but to do good, they do not know. Just think about um, the fool of Proverbs. And how much is said about foolishness, uh, stupidity in scripture, there's a lot. So my contention is that, um, you know, you can, you can actually love someone and you can still call them stupid. It is possible. And in this case, you know, she's talking about liberal. She's talking about a group of people here. She's saying that um, this group and, and, you know, in the modern parlance, especially in conservative circles where this guy's speaking, uh, when you talk about a liberal, you are talking about someone who is for killing the unborn. You are talking about someone who is for profaning marriage, at the very least, fundamental moral issues. You are talking about someone who wants to steal from others and redistribute that wealth to give to um, certain groups. Um, you know, you go down the line, there's a lot of bad things. <laughs> there are a lot of stupid things, a lot of evil things. And there's a group of people supporting those stupid and evil things. It's not a jump to say that the people that are supporting those things are stupid and evil because those ideas weren't in a vacuum. Those ideas were adopted by a group of people. Not hard. You can still love them. Now, here, here's the part where I think there, there's a point to be made here. And, um, and I've made this point actually many times before. You, you do need to realize that there are people who do things out of habit and they haven't thought through that, uh, what they're doing. Um, you do need to see people as humans that bear the image of God. And sometimes in their minds, what they're doing is actually morally righteous. There, there's Nazis, you know, many Nazis, who thought what they were doing was morally righteous because they were under uh, the thinking of some false premises. And they were evil false premises, but they still thought in their own mind. So, so to go to someone um, and to just immediately call them, to name call them, nah, 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 you're stupid. Well, you're not going to get very far. There's a strategic angle to this that is just not, it's not wise. Even Jesus, think of Jesus when he confronted the Pharisees. Did he start out, out of the gate, you're just a bunch of stupid, evil people? No. 
that's he was actually pretty shrewd with that how he approached it now did he lamb blast them yes he did he saying stupid and evil were those would have been nice compared to the things jesus said about the pharisees but he didn't do it all at once out of the gate um he put them in hard situations uh where they had to um uh you know squirm a little bit to to find to to uh, you know, justify uh, their their own teachings. Um, he embarrassed them publicly. Uh, he so so th- there is a model in Christ, I think. Um, but th- the the main point of this is those two things are not diametrically opposed. And the reason that I think I have an offense to this kind of thinking uh, that is being engaged in by people like Arthur Brooks is because um, the character of our God is not this way. God can love people and still think that they're stupid and they're evil. In fact, everyone apart from Christ is actually characterized by sin and evil, and yet God so loved the world. So how do you make sense of that, Mr. Brooks? Um, now, let's let's keep going here, because this, this is where we're getting to the good stuff, right? So uh, David French puts out this article, and this is what he says on Twitter. One doesn't comply with the command to love your enemies by hiring someone to, to hate them for you. Some Sunday thoughts on the prayer breakfast debacle and our obligations to uphold even the most difficult commands. Joe Carter retweets, it says, this is the best article I've read in ages and I don't know how any Christian could disagree with it. And yet it will offend many who put politics ahead of Jesus. Wow. Haughty eyes, maybe. I don't know. Look, so, so basically, if you disagree with this article, you're putting politics ahead of Jesus. That's all you're doing. And I disagree with it, by the way. And um, I don't think it's because I'm putting politics ahead of Jesus. It's because I actually believe that you're fundamentally misrepresenting the character of God and Jesus. That's why I have a problem with it. The best article? Really? This is the best article? What does the article say? The article uh, parrots kind of what I just read you. And so I'm going to show you that. Um, here are a few snippets from it. Uh, talking about uh, the prayer breakfast and um, the article that I had just mentioned, Arthur Brooks' uh, speech, that speech, he mentions that, David French does, he says, uh, Arthur Brooks, he delivered a theologically true and moving address about a profound and difficult biblical command, loving our enemies. Now, loving our enemies is in scripture, is it not? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm going to read you the text in a minute to, to in context, but it was not a theological true, theologically true and moving address. It should not have been moving to those who are theologically astute. Um, But of course, we see such behavior all the time from hardcore Christian Trump supporters. They'll echo Trump's lies. They'll defend Trump's lies. They'll adopt many of his same rhetorical tactics, including engaging in mocking and insulting behavior as a matter of course. And of course, yeah, maybe there are some people out there who do that. But look at the, the, the hardcore Christian Trump supporters, right? This is the kind of behavior. Uh, it, it's, it's what we always see from them. Um, this is... Just it's fundamental to who they are in David French's mind. I don't think it has to be. I think there's some hardcore Trump supporters. Is Mike Pence a hardcore Trump supporter? Yeah, I mean, he's his vice president. So, um, yeah, pretty hardcore, I would say. Uh, He agreed to do that job. And I don't see him uh, engaging in the same kind of behavior that Trump engages in. So you're wrong, Mr. French, about that. Um, Or to put things more plainly, one doesn't comply with the command to love your enemies by hiring someone to hate them for you. Now, this is an attack on the motivations of people who support Trump. You're just hiring someone to do the hating for you. Now, this, I would say, is it possible that there are people who do that? You know, they would never say it, but Trump will say it so they'll vote for him. Yeah, probably more out of cowardice, though, I would think. They're afraid to do that or their job will be in jeopardy if they say the kinds of things Trump says. 
And so, you know, they're comfortable voting for him, but maybe they wouldn't say those same things. Now, um, is, is there a sense in which there are moral scruples that hold them back and they like it when Trump does it? Maybe, but we're, we're really going out on a limb now. And David French is being really confident that that's, that's the motivation. And he's, he's just carelessly using it almost in a universal way. And, and I've, I'm offended by that, to be honest with you. I don't know of one Trump supporter. To be honest with you, this is, this is the kind of thing I hear from just about every Trump, even the hardcore Trump supporters. I'm talking about people who were like, I'm for Trump as soon as he's coming down that, um, that escalator. I didn't understand that. Now I, I'm starting to a little more, but I'm still kind of like, really? In the whole field, Trump was the guy. And there are people saying, I just saw it in him. I just saw he was going to be... Uh, you know, he, he's the chemotherapy that this country needs. And maybe he'll kill some good cells, but we need some bad cells killed. And I can understand that line of thinking a little better now, but that's not me. But I understand it. Uh, do you think those people who were for Trump from the beginning, so they're hardcore Trump supporters, they're out there putting their signs up, they're waving the flag, everything else, you know, are, are is that their motive? That you're, they're just like, finally, someone who do the hating for me. This is what I hear from those people when I talk to them. They'll say, man, if he could just delete his Twitter. Or they'll say, man, if he just had a filter over his Twitter. Or, man, I don't like everything he says, but I really like what he's doing. That's what I hear. So there's a whole hunk of people, and I don't know who David French is talking to. Maybe there are some people that say, yeah, you know what? I was just wanting someone to do the hating for me. Maybe. I don't know who those people are, though. And I'm kind of offended that he just carelessly throws that out there. Um, here's, Here's also what he does. Now, this is a tactic to guilt you, by the way, you know. To get you, you know, don't support Trump. You know why? Because you're just hiring someone to do hate for you. You're just, it's a repressive hate in you. No, it's not. <laughs> here's, um, here, here's what he says. He goes, here's the end result. Millions of Christians have not just decided to hire a hater to defend them from haters and to hire a liar to defend them from liars. They actively ignore, rationalize, minimize, or deny Trump's sins. They do this in part because they can't bring themselves to face the truth about Trump and in part because they know it is difficult to build and sustain a political movement if you're constantly or even frequently criticizing the misconduct of its leader. There's some truth in that. Uh, you, you don't, you know, if you're constantly opposing what Trump says or does, then yeah, you, you, you know, you're not really helping him out. And, and there's some truth to that. But there's also, there's a lot of people, and this is what I see more, um, a lot of people who support Trump and they're not publicly as outraged over what Trump says or does and they don't talk about it as much is because <laughs> it's kind of like this. Trump got elected, right? And I think there's some, some people like, even like myself, who are like, oh man, this is going to be interesting. Trump's going to be so uh, obnoxious and he's going to um, say so many things that we disagree with. He's going to say you know evil things. And then the Democrats are kind of like, hold my beer. <laughs> like, they're 10 times worse. And the alternatives to Trump are a thousand times worse than Trump um, in policy, in, in just everything. And so, um, so I think, you know, part of it is that it's like, you know, if there's a tornado outside, you're not going to constantly be raging, uh, you know, against, you know, the, the washing machine leaking, right? If the washing machine is leaking and, you know, it's going to cause your floor to rot out over time. Yeah, that's a problem. You're going to want to address that. But if there's a tornado outside, you're probably going to be more concerned about the tornado and talking about the tornado and warning about the tornado a lot more. If David French can't see that the Democrats are a tornado and Trump is maybe like a washing machine that's leaking that might rot out your floor, then I don't understand where his moral compass is coming from. Is he watching what the other side's doing? And, and holding up this expectation that you better be talking about that leaking, you know, washing machine. It's like, 
dude, when there's a tornado, no. <laughs> and so I think that's where a lot of Trump supporters are coming from. And they're, it's not wrong for them to, to do that, uh, to, to have that priority. So here's the last thing I, I pulled from his article. He says, hate has no place in pro-life America. Yeah, you, you know, you hear that so many times. Hate has no place here. Um, number one, remember the verses I showed you. Hate does anywhere there's love, there's going to be hatred for the things that oppose the love, right? There's got to be. You can't, you can't have love without hatred of some kind. Um, you know, if you, if you love someone and there's someone trying to kill them or hurt them in some way, um, even if you don't hate the person, you know, you're going to hate what they're trying to do. There's got to be a hatred somewhere along the line if you love someone. So he says, hate has no place in pro-life America. None. And embracing or defending hate, even hatred of the, the movement's most vigorous opponents for the sake of life contradicts the spirit of the movement and stands to do more harm than good to the political cause that so many Christians value the most. It's a branding thing, guys. It's a branding thing. We don't want to be known as the people who hate. That's what this is about. That's what it looks like, at least, uh, from, from where I sit. So uh, so Joe Carter, David French, this is, this is how they feel about things. And um, I, I just, I don't, I don't see this in, in the character of the God that we as Christians uh, worship. So the last thing I want to do is talk about the passage that is used to justify this kind of ambiguous but warm, fuzzy idea of love. And it's really what David French is relying on. This idea that, well, as Christians, we're supposed to love, love, love. And if you're not love, love, loving, then, well, I guess you're just, you're not being Christian and there must be some problem with you. I want to go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. I have a new American Standard Bible uh, with me right now, if you want to read along. But I, I want to read this section. Now, here's the point of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, that if you're, unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and Pharisees, then you can't be in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and, and really, it's this righteousness of the heart, of the motives, not just outward conformity and doing things. It's it's actually, um, you know, not just like not telling lies, but actually being, your character needs to be an honest person, uh, that kind of thing. So um, it's loving God in, in the deepest part of yourself. And um, and the Pharisees subverted the law of God for the sake of their tradition. So he's saying, uphold, he's upholding the standard, the righteous standards of the law of God. And then he's tracing them back to their motivations and saying, it's, it's not enough to just not commit adultery, but you shouldn't lust in your heart. Thoughts of adultery are wrong. And so he just ups the bar. And, and this would have been crazy for the audience he's talking to. The Jews, they would have been like, oh my goodness, if that's true, then none of us can, can inherit the kingdom of God. And in the second, this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's in under the heading, actually, in my Bible. These aren't inspired headings, but this is how it's categorized, personal relationships. And, um, and of course, this is the section you hear it quoted a lot. Um, you know, you've heard it said eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. But I say to you, uh, you know, turn the other cheek, those kinds of things. And, and really, Jesus can't be talking about force or violence being always wrong. I mean, Cornelius is uh, a soldier who's saved in the book of Acts. Soldiers are told to be good soldiers. Um, you see the, the history of the Old Testament, very violent. Uh, David's mighty men were commended for killing Philistines. Um, I mean, there's <laughs> Jesus himself, right? He, he tells his disciples to buy a sword. Um, he, he actually um, overturns the money changers. Uh, he says that I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And when he comes back for his second coming, he's going to have a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, killing his enemies. Not gentle Jesus, meek and mild in those moments, right? And so Jesus can't be saying that violence is always wrong, right? Or, or hatred is, is, you know, it's just always a wrong thing. Well, he's talking, there's a context to this. He's talking about personal relationships. He's talking about, um, 
a loving God in the innermost part of your being. And I mean, this is how it starts out in verse 21, this section. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So this is Jesus here saying this. And 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 so um, so he's saying, you know, how you treat your neighbor, neighbor love, um, is important. All right. Now let's get to the section that is being used here. Uh, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? So he's saying that's not even real love. That's what he's saying. Um, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So what he's saying is he's, he's getting at the heart of what true love is. And what's the example he gives? He's saying that um, in, this will make you if, you, if you love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. This is, this is what it means to be the son of your father who is in heaven. And what is the example he gives of God? He says, God, who causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. So God demonstrates love by, and some people call this common grace. Um, I, I would call it providence. This is the providence of God. But um, tr treating everyone with a smile, treating everyone, uh, you know, g being, being giving and open to everyone, um, e even if it's someone you don't like, even if it's someone... Um, who is your enemy, uh, you know, killing them with kindness is sometimes what it's called. And, and this is something I've learned over time. I, I'm not gonna say I'm an expert at it, but I, I can actually, here's my personal testimony. I can actually genuinely say that a lot of these social justice guys, I actually genuinely love them. I really, I don't actually struggle with hating them too much. Sometimes, uh, I mean, there's certain people here and there where I'm just like, man, that, that guy. But for the most part, the people that I think hate me the most and demonstrated online, I, I actually feel sorry for them. And that pity, uh, which we're going to see A.D. Robles talk about this later, that pity brings me to a sense of, of loving them often and just feeling sorry that they're lost in their hatred. It doesn't mean that there's still not, with some of them, that there's still not a holy hatred there. There can be both. And that's what I've been trying to say all along. Both exist in the character of God. You do need to love your enemy. Um, but it doesn't mean that you also aren't going to, on a certain level, hate your enemy. You can actually do both. You can feel sorry. You can pray a prayer of, Lord, may they repent. And I feel so sorry. They don't, they don't know what they're stumbling over. But Lord, if they don't, they're, hurt. they're taking people with them. They're hurting the cause of, of, of your kingdom. They're, they're hurting, um, hurting others. And uh, Lord, you know, take them out. <laughs> take them out if they're not going to repent. You can, that's a prayer that you can pray. I pray that prayer very often about uh, a number of people. And so um, so, so that's really, and, and I'm not trying to give you every single um, explanation for that passage or uh, for, I, I, I'm not even promising to, to know how to dot all the I's and cross all the T's uh, when balancing or, or really not even balancing, but um, trying to um, integrate these two ideas of hating and loving. What I'm saying is though, they're both present and they're both in scripture and you got to deal with it. And David French isn't dealing with it. And Joe Carter's not dealing with it. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm afraid their, their concept of love, which in the passage, the concept of love is this self-sacrifice, right? So, you know, you're, 
they, you know, you, your enemy asks you for your, your coat, you give them your jacket too, you know? Um, it's sacrificing yourself, that's what love is. It's not just what you say, it's what you do. And the people that I know who have voted for Donald Trump, um, and they, they, they have a moral sense that what is happening in this country is wrong from the elites and the media, um, and in Hollywood and in the universities and in politics, the Democratic Party, they know that what they're pushing is absolutely antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and antithetical is a false gospel. It's a social justice gospel. They also know that it's fundamentally opposed to the moral law of God. And they see Donald Trump as someone who, yeah, he's probably not a Christian. He's not um, perfect at all. In fact, there's many things that they would change. Uh, but he's willing to actually fight them and he's willing to call them. He's willing to come closer to calling them uh, what they really are than most of the other quote unquote respectable people in politics. And this is just a sign to me, it's evidence to me that Christians need to be in politics more. You know, Joe Carter, run for office, man. You know, if you don't like it, um, we need more Christians in politics who will say the kinds of things that's tr that, that Trump is saying, but not go as far as Trump in some of the, the childish or, or more, um, you know, the things that, that are, are evil or wrong. And, and Trump will overstep those boundaries. But Trump's sensibilities are in a direction where he wants to fight. And, and right now we have to fight. Um, think about it this way, guys. Romans 13, right? Government's got a job. Uh, they're, they're, they're a minister of God, a diakonos, a deacon of God. Uh, and they, they bear the sword, right? Pretty heavy stuff to punish evil. And there can be uh, diakonoses of God who are not necessarily Christians, and they're doing it maybe even for the wrong motives, but they're, they have a, a moral code that is working to the extent of uh, being able to recognize evil and being able to punish evil in general terms, right? Uh, we see this in the Old Testament. We see this even, I mean, even when Paul's writing. He's writing to people who are not under a Christian theocracy. So, so you know, th th this is possible. Now, um, I, I see Donald Trump as someone who, yeah, I don't agree with all, everything he, he says and all his moral stands, but uh, the thing is, his moral compass is working enough that he can see that, you know what, ripping babies out of the womb and killing them, that's wrong, that's evil, and he's willing to say that people who do that are sick and evil or whatever. And, and I think that if, if you look at it that way, if you look at it in the sense of we are hiring someone to uphold the Constitution and to enact um, you know, a general sense of moral sensibility. And Trump seems to be able to do that, at least uh, when it comes to um, the, the alternatives, uh, you know, they're running completely 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And Trump may not be due north, but he's northwest. You know, he's, he's, they're, they're, he's going in the general direction. that I think most people, that's what they're seeing. And they're saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm voting for someone to do a job, a function. I'm not necessarily endorsing everything that uh, everything about their character, and and there's nothing wrong with that, Joe Carter. There's nothing wrong with that, David French, and uh, to to paint all these people as they're just hiring someone to hate for them, like a, they're a, it's a hate mercenary. You're the one showing some hatred here. You're 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 saying that you know Trump lies and they're supporting his lies. I, I can't escape the the idea that you're the ones lying here about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying there's not some people like that, but you're speaking in such general terms that you know, it, it, it's a shotgun, it's shooting everyone. And, um, and, and I, I wanna stick up for those guys. I wanna stick up for the people that voted for Trump and, they, and their motives were actually good motives. And it is possible, guys. 
And uh, and so anyway, uh, that's uh, enough of that, right? Let's get to some positive stuff. We're going to talk to Eddie Robles. Quick story. Uh, my wife actually had a, <laughs> a a mechanic appointment. I made the appointment. It was for her car, but um, it was this morning when I was going to interview AD. And um, so <laughs> I, I, I took the car in early and then I just found a Burger King and I was sitting in the play area <laughs> when <laughs> trying to connect to the internet. And uh, that's what I interviewed AD. So it was my own scheduling issue. But uh, it, it worked out for both of us. And uh, I hope you enjoy. That's, that's why I'm sitting though in a, in a different location uh, in case you were wondering. But uh, I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Don't forget to subscribe to 80s channel. And um, hey, if you have any suggestions or comments, please comment below in the comment section. I see a lot of those comments, not all of them, uh, if, uh, but most of them I try to, I try to keep up with it. And um, you know, if you want to become a, a Patreon supporter, the link is there in the info section. God bless. I have with me someone that many of you may be familiar with, but uh, A.D. Robles. And A.D., thank you so much for joining me. I know you do kind of what I do in a way. Yeah, thanks. So you're getting attacked out there. And, uh, <laughs> um, and neither of us, I think, have the bunker mentality, which is so uh, common to folks who get attacked a lot. So um, I just want to ask you right off the bat, how do you keep so positive? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that the, the big thing for me is, is if you go to my channel, people that are familiar with my channel know this. Um, I try to have fun with some of this stuff. You know what I mean? I think... Um, it's a very, these, these issues, the social justice controversy and all of these things, they're very serious issues. Um, but I try to keep a sense of humor about it all the time. Some people really don't like that, but it helps me stay sane. It helps me stay positive to laugh about some of this stuff because if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. <laughs> I feel the same exact way. What helped you um, move towards this platform that you have getting involved with answering these objections. It's just not some, something someone wakes up one day and says, Oh, I just going to blacklist myself from <laughs> Christianity and academia. So what made you decide to do this? I've answered this question in a few different ways in the past. And I think we've even talked about this, but um, my interest started when Trump got elected or, or right around when Trump got elected. And I started seeing a lot of social justice uh, minded Christians saying some very bizarre things that, I had never heard them say before. Um, and it was mostly from the never Trump camp. And I, I actually was in the non-Trump camp myself. I didn't want to vote for him. I didn't want him to be president. But I started seeing some really excessive rhetoric coming from people that I didn't expect it from. And so that's kind of when I started doing videos. But I didn't really, I've been thinking a lot about like what, what's motivated me to put more time into this. Because at the time, I would do a video like once a month or twice a month, you know, that kind of thing. It was nothing major. I just was talking about a few things. But I think that what I've, what I've seen and what's kind of kept me going is the social justice rhetoric, it's all progressive. It's all straight from the Democratic Party and it's designed to keep people subservient. It's designed to keep people in a, in a submissive sort of dependent kind of mindset, a victim mindset where things just happen to you and, 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 and you need someone to help you. You, you hear all the time with people, we need to empower minorities, we need to empower women. Well, if we need to do that, then, they, then that kind of implies, or not even implies, directly says that they don't have the power, they don't have the ability to do mm -hmm. things themselves. And in my opinion, the gospel is all about setting people free from that mindset where things just happen to you and you don't have any control over anything. Um, that's not what really God's, message is all about god 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 has a very simple plan for for prospering and i want people to prosper as far as 
when, when minorities buy into this victim mindset that is being promoted by so many people in Big Eva, it makes them slaves. It, they they, mm. they will not ever prosper. And I really hate that. And I think that's kind of what's been motivating me, I think, probably since very early on, but, but to keep going even to this day, um, that's what's been motivating me, I think. One of the things that I know bothers me, and I know it bothers you, and, and I, you may have been on the short end of the stick, but I see people like Daryl Harrison and other yeah. uh, minority or you know, black Latino conservatives out there getting called the worst names imaginable. I mean, sure. they get treatment I do not get, and maybe maybe that's my white privilege. You know, they get <laughs> they get called though the N word from other social justice warriors, sure, and sure. it it appalls me. It makes me angry, and so and so I was hoping you could address this. Do you get people from um, different like ethnic backgrounds, like Latino backgrounds, for instance, that say like AD, you're selling out, you're not one of us anymore? Like, and if so, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I I get this from time to time. I don't think I get it as much as Daryl Harrison does. Um, or, or, or black people, to be honest. I think, I think that a lot of black conservatives get this a lot more than Latino conservatives. But I get it from time to time. A lot of people will try to insult me, and they'll say, you're just white. You're not Latino. You're white. And they think that's an insult. And I, I'm not. I think that's stupid to say that. But I don't take that as an insult, by the way. So if you, if you want to insult me, one way to, to not do it is to call me white. I, I don't think that's insulting at all. I think it's uh, it's stupid, <laughs> frankly. So it just rolls um, off your back. It completely rolls off my back when when people do that. I also I also feel really badly for people who do that. There's this one guy um, that comments on my almost every one of my YouTube videos. His name is Nelson's Rudolph. He does this kind of thing a lot, and uh, he probably comments on your stuff, right? I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he does this on, on, on almost every video. He'll attempt to insult me in this way, and. It makes me feel bad for him because he's so he's such a slave to a certain mentality, a certain mindset. He cannot see things in any kind of objective way. Everything is about uh, Trump. Everything is about how I'm a traitor to my race and this and that. Um, no matter what I say, even if the video is unrelated, it's always that. He is a slave to mm. these kinds of insults. And and. It makes me feel bad for people that think in that way. When Daryl Harrison says something and he gets, you know, called the N word, he gets called a coon and stuff like that. I feel bad for the people who who think that that's somehow going to hurt Daryl's feelings. I don't think it will, and it just reveals that you're a slave. So, do you you cultivate a compassion then for people that are slaves in your mind to the social yeah. justice mindset, and that helps you deal with that? that? I try to. I feel I, I I've done a number of videos on this about how I really do have a lot of compassion and love for people that, um, that have bought into this whole ideology. I, I have a lot less compassion for those that are, you know, putting it forward. Um, and I want to confront those people directly, but I, I don't just blast every social justice warrior that I find. Um, the people that are kind of in the pews that are buying into this, where it's kind of scratching them where they itch kind of thing. I feel really badly for them because they're buying mm. into this, this idea that is kind of, it, it, the Bible says it tickles your ears, essentially. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel like it's not their fault that they're in the position that they're in and stuff like that. And um, I, feel, I feel very badly for them. Yeah, I, feel bad, I feel yeah. badly for every Latino and every black person who votes for Democrats thinking that's going to somehow help their situation um, because the Democrats have done a very good job convincing people that it will help their situation. And it never does. If you look at Every place where our Democrats have been in power for a long, long time, it's always worse off than it used to be. And 
that's not accidental. <laughs> you know, that's to keep people submissive, to keep people dependent. They want to create dependence. They have a vested interest in creating dependence. And I feel very badly for people who have bought into that. So I just um, had, had someone at my church ask me, uh, and they were emotional, I think, a little bit about it. It, it sort of, so, you know, the, I had to sort of tiptoe around that. But the question they asked me was, you know, what about the disparities out there? Don't you see that different ethnic groups uh, have different opportunity levels and there's barriers they have to overcome? And, you know, you can't tell me race doesn't matter. And, um, and so, you know, maybe I'll tell you how I answered it, but I'd like to hear from you first. I'm sure you get this yeah. question. Uh, yeah. What do you do when you get that? Yeah. So, so I, I just don't deny that there are disparities because it's, it's an objective fact that there are disparities um, in wealth levels and income levels and all kinds of things. Um, so I don't, first of all, I don't deny it. And second of all, the question that I ask is, 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 okay, so you're asking me about these disparities and you, and you seem to be thinking that they're a, a problem to be overcome. And so what's the problem with them? Because a lot of times people are just assuming that there's a certain uh, explanation for the disparity that, and it'll, a lot of times it'll be racism or whatever, or something like that. Um, but really they're just assuming it. So if you ask them to prove it or to, to how do you, why do you, why'd you, why'd you come to that conclusion that it's a racist racism issue? And a lot of times they don't really know. They just, they just think it has to be. And I, I, I'll offer an alternative and I, I don't know if this is true, but it seems to make sense to me. So I'll give you an example. My parents, um, uh, were born in New York City. Their parents were born in Puerto Rico. So, you know, we've only been in the United States uh, for a short time, you know, our, our family, a couple generations. Um, and so when, when my grandparents got here, they didn't have a lot of resources, right? So they had to start from a very small amount of resources. And then my father took those resources that my grandparents were able to, to build up, and he's done a little bit better. God willing, I'll do a little bit better. And so the, the wealth and the, and, the, and the property that we own, and all, it'll, it'll move you know, from generation to generation to generation. Well, you know, Europeans have been here a lot longer than, than my parents. And so they've been on this process for a lot longer. And so it would stand to reason that if they're doing the godly thing, and, and you know, the Bible says that a, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, um, if people have been doing that, it would stand to reason that those who have been here longer that started with more would have more now. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, that seems to me like a, 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 a fulfillment of a promise that God gives to his people. And so that's an alternative explanation of why there's these disparities. Tell me mm -hmm. why that's wrong. Tell me why that that's not the way it is. And, and there's, there's other reasons. And oftentimes people cannot do that because they haven't really thought about it. So what you're saying is most people are kind of um, sort of corralled into thinking that there yeah. is only one reason a disparity would exist, and right. it has to do with some kind of partiality, bigotry. Yep. So, yeah, that's a fascinating. You, uh, let, me, let me give you another example, because when I was a kid, I, I wanted to play ice hockey so bad. I lived in Connecticut, and I wanted to play ice hockey. I thought it was so awesome, and we couldn't afford it. You know, we, we just, we just were not in we, all the rich kids played ice hockey because, you know, ice time is expensive. Every piece of equipment costs a hundred bucks. Like it's just a very expensive sport. So we can never do it. So you could look at the fact that all my white friends played ice hockey and all the Latinos and blacks didn't play ice hockey and say, well, ice hockey's racist, <laughs> but it's really not that. It's just that we didn't have enough money for me to play ice hockey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
I could do, I could do this in every area where there's a disparity and say, well, it's just racism. Right. And it's just not the case just because you say it. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this yesterday and just, I'm, I, you could probably come up with a list like to infinity of all the different disparities there are over, you know, I was, I didn't go to public school, right? And I was homeschooled until I went to community college. Well, I didn't get to have the opportunities to compete in different sports like other people that affected my life. Right. Um, Left-handed right. people are at a disadvantage in a right-handed world. If you're tall, it's hard to go on a big you know, roller coaster right. not designed for you and so forth and so on. And it just seems like we arbitrarily want to only look at certain groups as disadvantaged when really there, there's a lot of different ways you can divide that up. Rural versus urban, you know, versus right. suburban, you know, geographic areas. And so, um, so I don't know, that was just one thing I was just thinking about to add to, to this discussion. Um, you and I actually, I think, even though I know, um, you know, we're in different areas in some ways, we're actually pretty close. I grew up in upstate New York. So when you're talking about hockey, I know what yeah. you're saying. I looked into it and I could not believe how expensive all the equipment was and uh, to, yeah. to register. Um, do you think though, and this is kind of unrelated, getting off topic here, but do you think that growing up in an area that is so dominated by liberal policies, it might have toughened someone like you? I, I know it did for me and, and kind of made us ready to fight this battle. Yes, definitely. I think, so I, I credit my my father for, for how I am now. I mean, I could have easily been very influenced and taught social justice stuff, Democrat, pro progressive, liberal policies, and all these kinds of things. I was taught it in school all the time. I, I remember it very clearly, but my father, um, uh, he was a Republican from as far as, as long as I've known him. Uh, he ran for Congress as a Republican. He got his teeth kicked in by the Democratic machine. Just, you know, like, so I credit my father for this. And, and being in a situation where I had these foundational beliefs that my father taught me but everyone around me didn't believe them. Yeah. <laughs> like it definitely <laughs> toughens you up a little bit, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I think that um, I think I, yeah, I think that prepared me for for this kind of a thing for sure. Let me also say this: um, I'm sensitive to the idea that racism uh, is a problem, and mm. these I want to go back to the disparity conversation sure. because there very well could be a racist explanation for a certain disparity. You know, mm. some people will cite you know redlining and things like that. I'm open to it. I'm open to it. But, but here's, here's my thing though. We live in such an obviously not racist society in general. It's so unacceptable to be racist these days um, that even if there were still effects that came that, that, that still affect us to this day, it, I don't think it benefits any minority to be like, well, it's just racist. I mean, mm. what are we going to do? You know, it doesn't benefit you to think that way. So even if you agree, there's some racism you should just act as if there isn't and start, you know, building wealth because they don't, they don't check your skin color when you decide whether or not to invest in the stock market. They don't right. check your skin color when you decide whether or not to do a lot of these things. They, so if they're redlining you out of district, let's just accept it. Say it's true. Mm -hmm. You can still build wealth in this country. You know yeah. what I mean? You can still own companies in this country. You can still register a company with uh, your, your, your secretary of state and things like that. There's nothing to stop you um, except a slave mindset that people give you mm. because they want to keep you um, dependent. Yeah, that's good, man. That's really good. Um, I wanted to ask you a question that I know you get a lot, so you're probably prepared, but you talk about effeminate <laughs> men quite a bit on your podcast. Mm. 
And I love it. I mean, I think, I mean, it's red meat for, you know, the conservatives who are fighting this. We just love to think of the other side sometimes as, sure. um, you know, they're, they're just girly men in the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think to a certain extent, it's, it's so easy to do, right? You got, I, I'm almost hesitating. It's, I, I don't want to name names now, but I, you know, I'm, images are coming to my head of these, some of these big Eva guys. And I'm like, you know, I just look, <laughs> yeah, I'm like these clean shaven, you know, just these, yeah. these, you know, would, have they ever actually gone out hunting or, you know, played in a yeah. football team or so what, here, here's the thing though, that you get pushback from, um, you know, AD, how can you arbitrarily just defend, uh, you know, define what a man is? Scripture yeah. doesn't give you an ABC list of what a man is. So how can you call Russell Moore or Trevin Wax? And now I'm naming names. Uh, how can you call them a feminist? So um, I just want to hear from you on that because I love it whenever yeah. you talk about that issue. So, every, so this is evangelicalism is, is amazing because it's the only place where, you, where that kind of a question sounds so wise and so godly. It's so absurd. <laughs> it is one of the most absurd questions I've ever been asked. So, and I often don't even answer it because it's just so absurd. So let's, let me give you a, an example. So you ever see a prison show? Yes. Prison show, right? One of the big things in a prison show is um, you get those big, uh, those big homosexual men that uh, make you their woman. They make you their wife, right? Yeah. Some, some people in prison, that's how they survive. They become a woman, right? That's what the show, I don't know how realistic that is, um, but, I, but that's what the shows present, right? Someone will come out of their, uh, their cell and all of a sudden they look like a woman. And not a single person questions what that person is up to. They are becoming a woman because they're dressing like a woman. They have longer hair. They've got the female mannerisms. They're just softer. They're looking for a daddy figure to take care of them. And everybody knows that those are female traits that he's trying to take on. Nobody questions it. And so when I say effeminate, I, it's very simple. I, it's a man who's taking on female traits. One example that I use is this idea that you need uh, uh, the government or, or something like that to take care of you. I think that socialism and liberal, liberal economics in general is effeminate because what you're doing is you're not taking responsibility for your own uh, income, what you get yourself, you're expecting daddy to take care of you. And that's how it is in prison. It's like, they, you know, I got, I got Bubba to take care of me. I got big, big Tony to take care of me. And it's like, I, I cannot defend. So, so that's, that's, one example of something I use. It's, it's, it's very simple, taking on female traits, female mentalities, but you're a man. Do you think, okay, so this is really simplistic, but there's an old Southern Baptist pastor, you probably love this guy, and one <laughs> is in North Carolina. Uh, I cultivate a relationship with him, and he says to me one day, he goes, you want to know God's will for your life, John? I go, sure. And he goes, look between your legs. I was like, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. one way to put it a little crass, I guess. But his point was he fleshed it out for me. And he's just like, God made you a man. It's innate. You know what that means. It's not a mystery. You need to go have children. You know, I was married at the time, but I, I didn't have children. You need to go have children and you need to have dominion over this earth. And I was like, that's he's right. right. He's absolutely right. right about that. Um, so do you think it's just innate? It's really that simple. Like we all know what a man is like. We don't have to. Yes. Get, okay. Yeah, I do. And I, and I think, and, and I think that there are some legitimate questions because, because the, 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 the secular culture, the pagans have done a lot of work to try to confuse people. And so um, there is some, there are some legitimate questions. So I'll, I'll give you some example. One guy, one guy said this to me, I don't think he was asking in a legitimate way. He was asking to try to zing me, but he said, so what, so can I bake? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, like, 
if you can, if you don't understand that it's okay for a man to bake, <laughs> then I'm sorry, you're you're very confused, and you need to get down back to the basics. I, I'm open to someone being that confused, but there are plenty of men who who love to bake. The question is, why are you baking? Mm. Are you baking because you enjoy making bread, you or cakes or whatever it is that you're making? You are you doing it to provide income for your family, or you just it's just something that you want to do for your family? Or are you baking because you have a husband that you want to take care of and you want to make sure he's got warm bread in the morning? Because then that's very effeminate. It's the motivation. So if you're baking yeah. cookies because you see yourself as a woman providing for your man, of course, that's effeminate. Yeah. But if you just like to bake and you know that, that's fine is what, you're, what I heard you saying. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the the statistics, I'd be willing to bet that most bakers are like professional bakers are male, most likely. Right. Um, you know, and again, like I, I, one of the things I, I said when it when the internet went out was, you'll hear people say stuff like about guns, for example, right? Like if you don't want to own a gun, I'm not saying that that's necessarily effeminate, but if the reason you don't want to own a gun is because you know you're pretty sure that the the police will take care of you, you know, government will take protect your family. Mm. If that's the reason, then that's effeminate. That you're looking for daddy to take care of you instead of being able to defend yourself. And so, um, do you have to play football to be a man? No. Do you have to cultivate a toughness? in yourself so that you're not just, you know, flexible and just caving to everything. Yes, you do. So whether yeah. you do that by playing football in high school or some other way, it needs to be cultivated. It needs there to be seems, cultivated intentionally. There seems to be almost an elitist attitude that I've found with some of the more we would think of effeminate kind of men where they look down on someone who hunts. Like yes. it's just kind of like, Oh, that's just, that's not really sophisticated or intellectual. And it's like, right. You know, that to me, that's kind of effeminate. Like that's, um, yep kind of, you know, a man providing for his family and doing it himself. Yeah. I mean, it's the epitome of independence and the dominion yep. mandate. So anyway, you're, you're not paying someone to do it. You're doing it. And to look yep. down on that, you know, that's, that's a feminine. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, totally. Totally. And the thing is like, I, I remember um, I got a buddy who, um, who grows his own meat and stuff like that. And I told him that I wanted to uh, slaughter a pig with him uh, one day. And I never happened. I still want to do it. But the idea that like the reason why the reason why I wanted to do that is because not because I want to like cultivate a fake machismo or something like that. It's because I know that I don't know many things that I ought to know. Like I don't know how to fix a car. I don't know how to uh, there's a lot of things around the house. I'm not very handy. And I, I think that there's there's a there is a problem with me like just being OK with not being able to do anything on my own. Mm. Um, and so. Um, if, if you're okay with that, because, you know, daddy government will take care of you, then that's a problem. But if you're okay with that, because, you know, you've got tons of money and you can always hire someone to do that. And you're busy cultivating your, your business and what you're good at and stuff like that. I think that's okay. Like, again, you don't have to be able to fix an engine to be a man, but being able to take care of yourself, mm -hmm. it's all about the why. Why, why are you okay with not being able to fix an engine? Is it because you think that daddy will take care of you? Oh, public transportation is all you need. Like, I mean, they're, they're, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think that was good. We could probably keep going all day with that. But I want to get to all some day. personal things here. Um, some of uh, my listeners may not know who you are. And uh, I'll just actually let you plug right now. If they, if they want to find out sure. more about you, they like what they're hearing, where can they go? Yeah, the best place is YouTube. Uh, just search in, uh, in the search tab, AD. Robles, R-O-B-L-E-S. I've got like 400 videos on YouTube. You put out a lot of them. <laughs> I've been busy. Yes, I've been busy. Um, and then uh, also on Twitter, uh, Real AD Robles. 
uh, on Twitter. Those are the best places. And um, my content is mostly about social justice, but I also do like political commentary and just You're general about social. Dating. <laughs> relationships i've seen those i'm like whoa he's getting personal today <laughs> yeah yeah well you know I, i've been thinking about some other things i could do but anyway um so yeah it's i i have a good time with it you know i've got videos that are very serious i've got videos that are very funny at least in my opinion yeah, um, i think they are yeah and uh yeah it's 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 all over the board so definitely check me out there yeah so uh for those who do know you um could you tell us a little bit about the AD who is not on camera? So what do you do for, do you have hobbies? What do you like to do for fun? Uh, what do you do with your kids? Yeah. So I, so I don't have a ton of time to do extra things, but um, I play with my kids all the time and, and I'm just home a lot. And so, um, you know, my, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll indoctrinate my kids into liking star Wars. I actually just, uh, I, I'm, I'm packing cause I'm moving uh, soon. And um yeah, thanks, thanks. Um, and so, as I'm packing, I found a box of of old toys from when I was a kid, uh, just yesterday. And they're all these old Star Wars oh, toys man. that are totally broken for the most part. <laughs> um, and I I showed my kids, and they think it's like Christmas part two. It's like a brand new toys uh, wow. selection for them. And so that's what I do a lot of. And um, you know, I I read whenever I can, but I just I don't have a ton of time. Mm. Um, I'm a pretty big nerd. So when I do have time, I do nerdy type things like so, board games, stuff like that. <laughs> so you and the missus are going out on a date on Saturday night, let's say, where do the Robles go and what do they do? Uh, we always just go out to eat and, and stuff yeah. like that. So we, we enjoy going to restaurants. We used to live in New York city. And so we had a ton of different options. Now we have like three restaurants that we go to. <laughs> so we just pick one of the three, you know? Um, and we're actually moving to be closer to, uh, my wife's parents. So hopefully we'll have a lot more opportunities to do that because we'll have some free babysitting, you know? Okay. All right. That's cool. Uh, so what about when you were, all right, we'll go back in time a little bit. So you're in college. Um, and I, and I know you, you weren't saved. I think you got saved in college if I remember correctly. Right? After, so after. I was right after. Okay. Uh, yeah. so, um, what, what did you like to do for fun? The, the G rated stuff. What did you like to do for fun? Because I think people, this is why I'm asking. Some people, I think, look at your videos and they're like, this guy must have always been a troublemaker. You know, he's just, yeah. and, and obviously I don't think you are at all. I think you're just <laughs> trying to bring sanity to this. But, um, yeah. but, but were you a troublemaker in college or, you know, did you have just normal everyday fun like everyone else? Yeah, I wasn't much of a troublemaker. I mean, I, I would get into trouble, but it was mostly doing like the normal stuff that people do in college. Right, and so I, right. I got into the whole scene, you know, and it, it, I'll, I'll keep it G-rated, but I was a disaster in college. I mean, I drank a ton. I did a lot of drugs, um, but I never really went out seeking to cause trouble intentionally. But when you do that kind of stuff, you tend to get into trouble, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you weren't like this political revolutionary guy. Oh, no. Was, okay. No, not at, not at all. Not at all. I used to, I, I, I went to school for government and politics, but I really ha hated it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Isn't that something? Isn't that, uh, that's so great. Um, well, I, I appreciate you giving me some of your time and uh, I hope yeah, folks man. will go check out your videos, go to YouTube. I'm going to put the link in the info section for uh, whatever yeah. your latest video is when I post this and uh, people can check your content out. I think it dovetails a lot with what I'm doing. We actually talk about some of the same things and hit it from different angles often. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, go check out AD and AD, you know, once again, thank you so much for what you do. God bless you. Take care. All right. Bye now.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.